into week one. This is the 615 Preps Podcast. I'm Chris Brooks alongside Scott Burton and Christian Capozzi. Fellas, say hi. Hello. Hello, everyone. It's week one. We're talking about games this week. Uh, what a time to be alive. What <laughs> We're not talking about be... practice. No. No practice. No, <laughs> not no. practice. We're not talking about the scrimmage. Uh-uh. No. Not, not seven on seven. Not, not jamborees. Nope. We're talking about games. Games. Actual live games. They count. It's here. It is it's it, here, and it's, it's hard here. to believe. It, well, it's an exciting time of year for football fans. I mean, we have high school football this week. College football starts in earnest next week, and then NFL right after that. Guys, our weekends are officially set for the next four months. Yes, our loved ones aren't going to see us for a while. <laughs> and probably, truth be told, they're probably okay with that. I think so. Got a good show for you this week. We've got Gallatin head coach Chad Watson joining us ahead of the Green Waves game against Lebanon on Friday. Um, we've got uh, games to actually pick winners. Plenty to talk about, so let's dive right in. But first... <laughs> The death of 615 Preps, apparently, on Twitter. Um, I got to take the blame for this one. Uh, I was playing around with it. I was trying to be cute and, and set the uh, birth date to when we launched this thing. And uh, Twitter said, no, you can't do that. So 615 Preps is in purgatory. It is locked up by Twitter. So instead, follow us at 615 underscore Preps. And we'll see if we can't figure this thing out in a week or so. If, we're, go ahead. If we, if we learn one thing from this, do never let your three-week-old on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> what's, that is what's good. A, what's a toddler doing tweeting? <laughs> well, I don't know. Twitter's, Twitter's asking the question, and we couldn't respond. Well, so. I mean, if your toddler can you know, manage to work Twitter, you know, more power to them. Either that or we're really, really scared. I mean... Yeah. I got Google. I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I don't get it how why it's so difficult. Uh, uh, Twitter support if you're out there. I mean, honestly, uh, it two of us, you know, pretty much hammered you and begged and pleaded and you know everything. Uh, I was going to go on a hunger strike, but I passed a McDonald's and that, that was the end of that. Um, but I mean, we did everything we could, folks, to get six one five preps at six one five preps back. It is at Six one five underscore preps. Just that, add that little underscore, and you get us. Yep, it's that simple. And uh, when they do finally decide to let us play with it again, uh, we'll figure it out. But uh, for the meantime, that's where you can find us on Twitter. Also, I'm at uh, C Brooks TN. C P Caposi K A P O S Y eighteen at M P P Scott. So that's where you can find our individual Twitter accounts. We're also on Instagram and Facebook, and this podcast now officially can be heard on Apple Podcasts. We got that last week, so big deal there. We had to trade one for another, Twitter for Apple Podcasts. Pretty good trade at this point. It seems to be working out pretty nicely. So, yeah. But uh, plenty to talk about. Let's get to it. Um, big story here. You know, Reggie Grimes the second ruled eligible at Ravenwood. He'll play this week for the, for the Raptors. But uh, in another twist, he has not committed yet. He's actually pushing that back to Thanksgiving I guess to give himself a little more time to make an important decision for him, obviously. Yeah, he's got several schools uh, that he's looking at, Alabama, FSU, LSU, South Carolina, UT, and uh, Vanderbilt. So it's a big decision uh, for him to come up with. As far as uh, him getting his eligibility back, this is one of those things that you would think would be a no-brainer. But we've learned – if we've learned anything from organizations that sometimes what we think is a slam dunk isn't. For him as well, some student-athletes look at it as, I want to get my commitment out of the way before my senior year starts. I mean, for him, first off, nobody's leaving. You're not pulling any commitments from the number one rated player in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's got really nothing to worry about there. And sometimes you just rush. Like, if, if you're just now going to pick a week before the season, there's really no need. You've got plenty of time, and we've seen so many times where – players or just go all in on a commitment in September and or August and they get to November, December going, well, I've, I thought about it. So I think just take as much time as you need. Yeah, it's a huge decision to, to pick where you're going to play football and get your education. Yeah, I mean, it's all about what the player, it's best for the player. And sometimes a lot of people lose sight of that. Well, and this isn't a guy that's having to pick through, you know, one or two schools. He's got – if they're playing D1 football, he's pretty much got that to choose from. Uh, he a lot of options, a lot of talent. I know he's he's got it down to a handful of teams, but 
you know, when when you're talking about either going to play for Nick Saban or some of the top college football coaches anywhere, yeah. that's that's a lot to go through. And and waiting for that that late in the season actually gives you an idea of uh, what openings are going to be, what uh, you know, what these teams are about, um, you know, where he's going to fit. Yeah, and his official visits will, will factor in the decision, obviously, as well. And he, he's down to, his, I think, six schools now, and he's not going to make any more changes to that list, I don't think. So it'd be interesting to see where he does decide to go, but now we're going to wait till Thanksgiving at least to find that out, which is, which is fine. And even if it's Thanksgiving, I know you've got your early signing period now in December. This is a guy, if he wanted to wait till spring to the traditional signing period, schools would be A-OK with that because they're going to have a spot for him. There's – no way you're not going to. And also for Ravenwood, though, that's huge to get him. I mean, I know there's some questions, and you assumed you were going to get him, but now that you've got the word that he's going to be there, you put him up front on that defense. I know he's going to play some offense, but his role and his his stardom is going to come on the defensive side. Uh, that Ravenwood defense becomes even more scarier with his father as the defensive coordinator. And now they're officially at full strength, so now we can really see what the Raptors are made of when they get right out of the gate with Centennial on Friday. Uh, I go to a different direction. Uh, a player that has made his decision, uh, Dixon County's Trevon Rivka, he's going to Kentucky. Yeah, this is a big get for UK. I think that uh, this was a big win. He he hasn't taken any official visits, I think, except to uh, Cincinnati. But uh, he went up there on an unofficial visit, and he really felt like he was at home. Uh, Kentucky's got a good recruiter. It's a strength coach, Derek LeBlanc. Um, and I think that he's really going to fit in there. Uh you know, there's, uh, you know, he's the number 38. I think he's number 38 defensive tackle. Um, I think he's really going to fit in there. He's got some guys coming in with him too that, uh, uh, you know, on that line that they can really make a force because they're going to be decimated, uh, not at, not this year, but the year after, I think. And this is kind of a a, a situation of differing philosophies, both uh, Grimes and Ripka both, you know. Once the longest decision for for probably a number of reasons, and then once getting his out of the way, uh, it, it just goes to show that every every one of these is a case by case basis. It's all about the player, and I think when we get this recruiting hoopla and all the hubbub that comes around with it, it we get lost in that, and, and it comes down to the player. Yeah, and and you know, Christian made a great point uh, about waiting and things like that. Um, you know, you outed me you know, a couple of podcasts ago about being a Kentucky fan. Uh, I grew up in the bluegrass, so, um, yeah, I, I, I do bleed blue a little bit. But uh, the thing that gets me is that I've seen this before. <laughs> Kentucky sign one or Kentucky get with a commit and then somebody come out and snake them right out from under them. Uh, so uh, until the ink is uh, dry on this one, I like it. But Wait. And it's for these guys especially, it's almost a, a case of comfort because you, once you com- commit, I know it's not down on paper, but that team's accounting for you coming to school uh, in Lexington in this case. And not to take anything away from Ripka, uh, like I was saying with Grimes, that guy can go anywhere he wants if he wants to go in December or if he wants to go in the spring of that signing period. Uh, but this could, he could possibly fall into a case of, you know, maybe if, if – the Wildcats sign a bunch of guys or get a bunch of other commitments. There's been scenarios where, well, we're sorry. We know we offered you, but something else happened. So I think for a guy like him, he is a great ball player. Had 60 tackles last year, nine tackles behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, just for, if, if you know that that's where you want to be, if you feel comfortable with that, then there's really no reason waiting. I think it's it's detrimental if you have some – has some uh, worries about it, and then all of a sudden just get it out of the way. It looks like that's where he wants to be. Yep. Yeah. Well, we're going to move on. Uh, we had our poll question of the week last week, and like everything on Twitter, this one kind of got a little messed up too, but uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and go with it anyway. Our question last week was, of the four teams that we mentioned on last week's podcast, who was the most likely first-time state champion between Cane Ridge, Mount Juliet, Nolensville, and Fairview? This got split by the whole Twitter hubbub, but uh, the initial poll had Mount Juliet running away with it. The one that finished basically right before we started recording this has Cane Ridge winning by one percentage point, 44 to 43 over Mount Juliet. So, uh, Cane Ridge gets, gets that, I guess, that half point. 
<laughs> yeah, I know. I'm kind. Of, I know this is an audio only uh, medium here. I'm kind of shaking my head. My Mountain Juliet pick was doing so well before all the Twitter stuff happened. It was. They still did well, but I guess the Cane Ridge people woke up and found the yeah. new Twitter page quicker. Cane Ridge, yeah. Cane Ridge was Scott's pick. You had Mount Juliet's pick. I'm going to give both of you a half point for that one because, well, it's my fault. So blame me, <laughs> Mount Juliet. You can blame me. I don't I, care. I will take a half a point. Because it'll probably be the only half a point I get all year. Oh, I think I think all those the four we had on that list, they're all four solid options, oh. and they could. Uh, I think the two that I guess tied the share half a point, Cane Ridge and uh, Mountain Juliet, two where we could possibly see at the end of the year. Yeah, and and you know that you make a good point because the the two schools that are that didn't get uh, as many votes uh, probably don't have as many kids. And probably didn't get as much well, play that, on. <laughs> that and there's there's some more question marks around those. I would that, say that Cane Ridge and Mountain Juliet last two or three years have been there. I mean, we talked about Nolansville. The big one there is is it too early? I mean, it's only the third year of the school, and then uh, the Fairview just obviously a new quarterback there and uh, some other question marks. I think the the one that we tied here with is that it's two solid options and two that have been around and been. Really relevant the last couple of years. Yeah, and I, and I think with three A and four A a little bit, these, these guys, are, these teams are sleepers. Um, no one's feeling Fairview are kind of in a, in a sense sleepers. Mm-hmm. That there are roadblocks that could possibly keep them from winning a state title in both classes. But then again, if those roadblocks should fall, they could be the ones that are standing in Cookville, holding a go ball. Oh, for sure. And oh. let's not forget about the roadblocks that. Mountain Juliet and Cane Ridge are going to have to face. You talk about Murfreesboro and Williamson County schools that they had to go through. Uh, but I, I thought we had really good participation on those and both of them, the both polls that we had. Uh, I thought they picked two good ones. Oh, yeah. Well, if somebody does get their first state championship this week this year, it's going to happen in Cookville. And that actually leads us to our poll question this week. Those championship games have been in Cookville for several years now. Uh, some people like it. Some people don't just from location standpoint. I want to know what you guys think about having the Blue Cross Bowls in Cookville, and, and should it stay there? Well, I, I get it. It's, it's kind of centrally located for the state, but I would like to see it move around, uh, you know, make it to where some of the West Tennessee schools can, you know, stay on that side and make others come to them. I understand that it's – be rough because Tennessee is such a long state to come from the east to the west or, or vice versa. But, uh, yeah, I would like to see it move around a little bit. It's tough for me to say on because I've never, I've never been. I've always wanted to go uh, to one of the state championships. I've always ended up watching on TV. I don't know. It, it seems like it's in a very good spot right now. The stadium is – I don't want to put it in a place where you see in other states where they put it in these huge NFL stadiums and it looks like nobody's there. I, that's not a problem in Cookville. Cookville is, is right around the side you need it to be. It's you got a great crowd. It's usually full. I, I like that aspect of it, but if you can find places where you could get the same result, I would be up for it. Well, I, I agree, and that's and that's why. I, and I maybe jump the gun here, but I do agree that I'd like to see it in the schools, in stadiums the size of tech or smaller. Uh, not in – you don't need it in Neyland. You don't, you know, you don't need it in Nissan Stadium. You, you, but to have it in uh, more of a, uh, an atmosphere where you get the crowd involved, I think that that's, that's huge. Yeah. Well, and a lot of people point to – I know most of the other sports when it comes to basketball and volleyball, it's at MTSU – at the Glass House, and a lot of people say, oh, that's the most centrally located spot in the state. Why don't you put the football there? I think you're on the verge of the same thing there. That's that's an FBS stadium. You're, I think yeah. it's you seating a lot more people there than you do there at Cookville. If I'm, if I'm permitted, I'd like, I've got a couple of ideas where I would like to see it. Go for uh, it. UT Martin, I think that that is a stadium about the right size for this, but it is, you know, I do get that it's out west. I do think it would be good for the schools in West Tennessee, you know, to and it also be outstanding for schools like Martin, UT Chat, that would be a good place. Uh, you know, I'm not so much on the, you know, Knoxville, or or you know, the Liberty Bowl, but some of those schools, if you can rotate it between three, you know, Tech, Chattanooga, and Martin or something of that similarity, I think that 
that makes sense to me that it moves around. You know, I don't expect it to be in Bristol. <laughs> and I'll bring up another good one. The location might not be great, but Austin P. Uh, Fortera oh. Stadium. I love that place. I was for, actually going to mention Austin P. because I yeah. think that that's about the perfect size, to be honestly. And they actually were going to bid on those two a couple of years ago. So they they have actually talked about it. It's it's not a far fetched idea that it could go to to Clarksville at some point in the future. Yeah, that's an excellent point. That is a great stadium. It, it's it's been recently updated. You've got a nice uh, press box on one side. So the press box is on one side of the field, and then on the other side you've got some luxury suites. So whatever you've got going on for T Bless to play, you can seat up to about ten thousand in there. I think that's a that's a nice stadium to put at. Like I said, the problem is the location. I just would hate to see, you know, if for some re- one time if a if a Knoxville school makes it, and it's for some reason a Memphis or vice versa. Because we talked about how long this state is, and I could make a, and I could make an argument for Clarksville and Chattanooga right now. Hotel rooms, more hotel rooms than you have options in in Cookville yep. for those kids coming from the west. For those kids coming from and families coming from the east, you those two cities have the amenities to handle something like that. And there's also more things to do in those cities than there are in Cookville. I, I'm a Tennessee Tech grad. I, I went to school there, graduated from there. I I know exactly what's in Cookville, and it's not much. So, I I would see where Clarksville and Chattanooga would have a great case. Uh, the rotation to me, I think, would be a good idea. I mean, you throw in Austin P. You throw in Tennessee Tech, have it in Cookville once every couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, Martin, I haven't had the chance to see a stadium, so I don't know enough it, about it. It's it's a smaller stadium. It's uh, OVC Stadium, uh, but they just recently renovated it. Got a, a brand-new field turf down. Uh, it's a nice stadium. It's not overly big. Um, it's probably not as big as Tech Stadium, quite frankly. Um, but it is out there, and I would and I would understand – that being a, you know, you know, that'd be nice, but no. But Clarksville and Chattanooga, I think, could definitely be there. Now, we've made the argument about kids having to travel along from east to west. Now, if you look at other sports in, in spring fling in the spring sports championships, they've been held in Memphis and Chattanooga. So, it's been done in the past. So, I don't know that that's necessarily a barrier to having uh, one on one side of the state or the other. Yeah, I, so like I was saying, I I have no problem with Clarksville. I think it's a, a, a great stadium for the event. If it were to stay there, I wouldn't see any problem with it. If I had to pick one or the other one, I would I would totally vote for Clarksville. Forterra Stadium is great on the campus of Austin P and a lot of stuff to do in Clarksville as well. Okay, so I guess we'll take our let's make our official position on this. Uh, we can we can put others a fourth choice, but of the th- of three, Clarksville. Chattanooga, Cookville, we've got it right now. Which one would you, which one would you take? You, could you do, uh, could you do those three and then a rotation as the fourth one? I mean, we could put that under other. Yeah, yeah. My problem with the Martin one, I've never seen it, so well, it's, yeah, I, I don't know. I couldn't speak I, on how it would be there, and I, I, I've been there several times. So well, let's put it this way: if you had to make it a like a five-year contract right now to host the championship games. Which one would you pick right now? Yeah, I, mm. yeah, Martin wouldn't be in that in that mix. I don't think. Uh, I would probably, I'd probably pick Clarksville. Actually, as much as I want to pick Clarksville, I would probably stay with Cookville because I, I just I don't know. I've never been there, and I, I've been to Cookville before. I've never been to the the games though. I I think it's a I think it would, it's a nice spot. I don't think it's as everything around it as Clarksville has all the businesses and stuff, but I it just from what I hear everybody it seems like a decent spot for it in Cookville. Well, I guess by default I get Chattanooga, and I like Chattanooga. I like going down there every now and then. It's a nice city. It's got some good good stuff to do, and the stadium I've been by there it's not bad at all. It would be a good spot to have it. So I guess I'm taking Chattanooga, and then uh, we'll post that poll and we'll let you all vote on it and. You can tell us what you think. Well, where should it be? I mean, do, do you want to see it go to Nashville or Knoxville or Murfreesboro, or do you want to keep it in a smaller stadium? You can tell us. We'll have that poll up on Thursday, and you can vote from there. After the break, we get with Calton head coach Chad Watson. You are listening to the 615 Preps Podcast. Guys, I may have had one of the best sandwiches yesterday. It was awesome. I got it at Milo Coffeehouse in Portland. 
I know they're known for great coffee, but they also have delicious lunch options. If you're in Portland, stop by Milo Coffee House at 125 Main Street in Portland. Tell them the boys from 615 Prep sent you. I want to say thanks to the Hendersville High Cheerleaders for that shout-out. Uh, we want to get on to our guest for this week, Gallatin High head coach Chad Watson joins us. He's headed into his first season with the Green Wave and his first game Friday against Lebanon. It is our Mid-State Spotlight Game of the Week. Coach, appreciate you taking time out of the busy week to, to get in here and sit in with us. Yeah, I, I appreciate you asking me. I always uh, look forward to the opportunity to talk about my kids and talk about our program. Well, let's get right to it. I mean, uh, a lot of anticipation in Gallatin about this season, about this team. Uh, what has this preseason been like for you and the kids overall as far as uh, building that excitement in the community? Yeah, I think it's been a good uh, preseason. I feel like um, taking on a new job and a new staff and coming into the program, um, you're always concerned with your culture and hey, making sure you get that right. And I know a lot of people have issues with seniors buying into a new coaching staff and a new philosophy and a new way of doing things but i feel like we've been very very fortunate that our senior class has kind of stepped in bought into what we're doing and i think that's part of the reason why that we've done some good things this preseason and we're excited about it but ultimately it's what we've done so far doesn't mean anything uh, i'm waiting for friday well coach uh you've been quoted as instituting grit uh gallatin resurgence in training uh, can you explain exactly what that is and how it's affecting the culture in Gallatin? Yeah, I mean, Chris, uh, like you said, Gallatin's responsible for training. Like, obviously, people know about the history of this program and the standards that's been set forth before us. And um, we, we want to elevate the expectations of Gallatin, but Gallatin's back like it was. And we, we use grit as an acronym for what you talked about, but we also uh, use the definition of grit. And, um, over having the ability to overcome adversity in order to reach a long-term goal. So we want to tell our guys that, and our guys have bought into this, that nobody's more prepared to overcome adversity because we talk about it on a daily basis. And it's, it's bigger than football. Like throughout life, you're going to have adversity and we want our kids to be able to deal with it, handle tough situations. So uh, when coming up for a slogan, I feel like that was the ultimate thing that we could do um, to help better our guys for the long term. Coach, you have an, a, just a quick look at your roster, an abundance of seniors uh, throughout your roster. Does that maybe help with the, the buy-in of you got senior guys that have been there all along? Yeah, I think it does. And I think these guys, one good thing about Gallatin that I transitioned from Northeast, Northeast, I didn't have a lot of kids whose parents have played in the program. Here at Gallatin, I, I do have that. So they, they come to the program knowing what things are supposed to be like and how the expectations are supposed to be. So I think that's really helped. Um, but yeah, I mean, we got a lot of older guys, but we don't really have that many older guys that seem significant playing time. So even though we look old on the roster, we're not necessarily old as far as snaps played on Friday night. You mentioned North coming from Northeast. Uh, last season, some unfortunate circumstances led to some forfeits. Uh, when you reflect back on your time there, do you kind of just look at that as a learning experience and help make you a better coach? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it definitely does. Um, make me a better coach, understanding the situation. And, uh, you can, dealing with tough times, because that's definitely a tough time for me. I mean, I found out about the forfeits the day, I mean, we were getting released from the hospital with my second son. So that's the worst time we could get here. Uh, yeah, going through tough situations helps you as a coach to adapt and kind of go with the old saying that's never as bad as you think you, as bad as you think it is, or never as good. It kind of keeps me on even keel and Make sure we're dotting all our eyes and crossing our teeth. Yeah, that way. Uh, Coach, uh, speaking of tough situations, uh, you've not been afraid to challenge your team. You faced off against the reigning state champion, Oakland Patriots. What does scrimmaging a team like Oakland show you about your team? Um, I think it's one thing we wanted to speak from the game is the name of our mindset. We are going to come out and try to compete, or we're going to kind of duck our tail and see that it's Oakland and feel overwhelmed by it. I feel like our kids really came out and I know we didn't play a whole quarter or a whole half. I mean we did play a whole quarter and a whole half and I feel like the kids came out and competed and we we worried about Gallatin. We didn't worry about Oakland. We were worried about our our execution and how we do things. And if we can do that all year I think we're gonna be fine. 
But you always want to test. You don't want to. You want your guys to play great competition. Because I mean, you look at our schedule. Everybody we play for the most part is really, really good football team. You mentioned that schedule. Uh, a good test starting out with Lebanon this week. Uh, it's an old non-AAA rivalry from way back. Uh, does that have kind of a, a bearing on this on this game? A little bit more excitement because it, it's a it's a close kind of a close rival in, in, in matter of speaking. Yeah, I mean you can feel in the community. Uh, the community is really really excited about this game getting reviewed between Gallatin and Lebanon. Obviously, we have in the '90s when Coach Short was. Uh, Taking over Gallatin and just, or he been at Gallatin, but they early 90s was a completely dominant football program. And you had Mark Medley at Lebanon who had the Amateur Glory Days as well. So I know a lot of that generation is really excited about bringing that game back. And um, yeah, our kids know it's a big deal, and I know Lebanon knows it's a big deal. You look at Lebanon last year, and look back at their schedule, if they have 14 or 15 more points, they're 10 and 0 with six days. So I mean, Chuck Gentry's done a heck of a job with that football program. And, we got a really, really good test Friday night. Who is one player on your roster right now that, that you have kind of seen really step up in the preseason and, and assert himself into the lineup? Um, I mean, there's a number of guys that I can name. Um, I'm going to first guy who has worked his way in our starting quarterback role. Um, can't tell you how much of a kid loves being around his teammates and really bought into the team. I mean, last last week before the jamboree i mean that day at school we got the news that his father had been killed on a motorcycle accident and the kid still played in jamboree and he's gonna play friday night and make his way to that funeral on saturday it's just the growth of that kid for a quarterback who's never really saw a whole lot of meaningful snaps his maturity is unbelievable so he would probably be the kid that i would say over the course of the last few weeks has really grown up more than other. what do you want to see out of your kids out of this first ball game? Um, compete with a whip of blows every single time. Um, worry about doing their job and worry about playing for the guy next to them. When something good happens, be more excited that your teammate may have played than you did. Just get after people like I felt like we've been doing in the first season and don't make mistakes and don't beat yourself and just, just get after them. Well, um, no, the, as big a ball game as Friday night is, it is. It's not a region game. Uh, you've got two really tough opponents in the region in Hillsboro and Beach. Uh, when you kind of look, if you look ahead at those two a little bit, does playing a team like Lebanon kind of prepare you for what you're going to see out of those two teams? Yeah, I mean, every game that we play non-region is a six-day opponent, and that, I think that's great for us getting us prepared to play our tough-level competition that we have in our region. Um, you got Beach and Hillsborough who could any year, year in and year out, go the distance and end up in Cookville. So, I mean, that's what we got to play on a weekly basis. So, yeah, we need to – it's good that we scheduled up and we're playing tough teams because our region's tough. Uh, I think he might be the best in the state in five days. Gallatin was in a three-way tie last year for first place. Uh, what do you need to see out of the team to at least force that situation, if not win that region outright this year? Just continue to get better in a week-in and week-out basis. Um, that's something we talk to our guys about, about at camp. Like we're talking about Lebanon, we're worried about Lebanon, we're concentrating on Lebanon, but growth's got to continue after Lebanon. We got to continue to get better week-in and week-out. Coach, what is it uh, about Lebanon that, con- uh, Lebanon that concerns you the most? What do they do well? Um, I think they're they're physical up front. I know Coach Gentry. Uh, their identity is being able to run the football, and they got a really special running back, the Shannon kid, number six. And they got a COVID uh, kid going to be playing quarterback who's an all-region defensive football player, so you know that mentally he's a smart kid, he's a physical kid. Um, just they're a good football team, good hard-nosed physical football team, and defensively they fly around the football. They're really, really impressed with their defense on all the screens that they've got. Uh, they got a nose guard He's a really, really good football player. I think he's had some offers to play at the next level. And that inside linebacker number five, TSU's offered it a big frame. It runs really, really well. Defensively, they really, really get after it. And they do a good job. I mean, it's, it's a well-coached football team that's going to play hard and uh, not going to beat themselves. I mean, they're overall a good football team and a good dad. Of course, this isn't your first rodeo, but are there any kind of nerves leading up to this week? No, it's a different atmosphere and a different place for you. Uh, what, what's the what's the mindset for you going into the, into this week? 
Um, that we want to, my mindset is that by practice time is over tomorrow with the haze in the barn. We've done everything we can, myself and our coaching staff, that we put our kids in the best position to be successful. And obviously we got to continue to study film and probably not be able to make adjustments because first week, first game of the year, there's always going to be something that you've not seen on stage. You don't have three or four games of so to kind of doubt everything else. So we, mentally, I have to be ready to make adjustments and change things and look for things that will going to put our kids in a better position. But I, I'm still comfortable, man. I got, I wouldn't take my coaching staff over anybody in the state. They're working their butts off and hopefully they're going to make me look good because uh, I think a lot of those guys are better coaches. <laughs> well, I know you're going to have a lot of family and friends in the stands, and you're, you're coaching closer to home now. You know, what's this week mean to you, knowing all that surrounds it? Uh, this is uh, really, really special for me because I feel like I'm finally somewhere long-term with We do this thing right as long as they don't want to get rid of me. Like, I, I hope my two little boys are playing and ready to go one day. Like, this is something that I, I want to help the community get this thing back and get rolling and it's not all about me like I said it's about those guys working with me and those kids busting their butt every day so I'm excited my family's excited but uh, like I said I can't just talk right enough about how special the kids are here well, I know we can't wait to see it uh, good luck Friday and good luck this season we'll catch up soon coach appreciate the time yeah, thank you very much coach thank you thank you Gallatin and coach Chad Watson the Green Wave host Lebanon this Friday to open up the 2019 regular season. We'll be right back after this. This is the 615 Preps Podcast. We are the Megan County High Cheerleaders, and you're listening to the 615 Preps Podcast. And a big thank you to the Megan County Cheerleaders. Hey, guys, they did that in one take. Can you believe that? Well, that was great. One take wonders. Yeah, hey, we should do a thing. Like, if they do it in one take, we should have, like, a little wall of fame for them this year. That would be nice. They yeah. might be by themselves. That's hard to do. <laughs> well, they might not be, but we'll see. Uh, new segment for the regular season. Uh, we posting some polls on Twitter. As you can see, we like polls. We like voting. This is America. Um, it's called Who You Got. We take ten games, vote on who wins. You po- folks at home, wherever you're listening, you get to vote as well democratic process and a lot of good votes for the 10 games we posted this week so we start with nba at brentwood and this was the closest vote we had of the 10 yeah the big red uh and the bruins you know uh, facing off against each other this looks like it's going to be a a a classic matchup uh i like the strength of uh uh NBA, I like the O line, the the their senior quarterbacks, uh, they got a lot of youth, but uh, Brentwood's got some good, you know, they got returning starters and and uh, you know they've got a uh, you know nine defensive stars returning. Uh, I think it's going to be a really really good game. Yeah, I, I saw Brentwood last year when they exited the playoffs uh, to Ravenwood. Uh, a lot of talent coming back, especially at quarterback. Kate Granzow, he's going to be very good once again. Uh, he threw for over 2,000 yards last season. I would expect him to do the same thing. Uh, I think I like Brentwood in this one. I love this game for a lot of the reasons that you guys both said. Uh, it, it's going to be a really good game to start out. Arguably one of the best in the, in the whole state. Uh, I like Brentwood at home here. I do think NBA is going to make it a really, really close game, but I like Brentwood just because they're at home. If it was the NBA, it'd probably go the other way, but uh, I'm going with the Bruins. I think, uh, yeah, with the uh, with their defense for Brentwood, I think defense usually wins when you have, especially in the first game of the season, uh, usually the better defensive team wins. I think Brentwood's that team here. It's so hard to figure out these week one games, and this poll reflected it. 51-49 in favor of NBA. But as you can see, we're, we're leaning the other direction. <laughs> yeah, and, and Brentwood's got to get ready quickly this year because you're hosting an NBA and then uh, you're going to go to Cane Ridge. So they've got a tough first two weeks to open up. And I, I, I like their odds against Big Red. And I think it just goes right to the quarterback. Cade Granzow, he's just a junior, but um, he's a very special guy. Not many guys coming back on that offense, but I, I'm I like the Bruins. So the crowd gets the NBA pick. We all take Brentwood. And we'll see how that shapes up. Next game of the list: Davidson Academy, the defending Division II single A champions, hosting FRA. And this one was fairly close for a while too. 
Davidson Academy got the crowd 55% there. Christian, what do you like about this game? What The question to me is the uncertainty with Davidson Academy. I think we've talked so much about they've got a lot of returners coming back, but the ones that they're missing, uh, they're playing on Saturdays. Uh, Stone Norton as our quarterback. Uh, you lose him, you'll graduate a, a stellar running back. Um, you know what? You're having to replace some guys, but – it's just kind of hard to go against the Bears with what they've done 13-0 last year. FRA, I've seen them in this uh, preseason. They look good. They're just not very big up front. So, I'll, I'm going to take Davidson Academy in this one. Yeah, FRA is a senior-laden team. I think they've got a lot of strengths there. Uh, got a great uh, quarterback in Sean Casey. Uh, but I think that uh, Davidson Academy is just, uh, you know, they're so experienced on the uh, on the offensive line, Pillow and Muirhead. Uh, they got great over, overall team speed. Uh, last year, you know, FRA ran to a buzzsaw in Davidson Academy. I think it's closer this year, but I think the Bears do claw this one out. Yeah, I'm going to take Davidson Academy as, as well. I mean, they're at home. They're opening with the with the home game after defending a state title. Uh, it, it's hard to pick against them until further notice. I'm going with the Bears here. Uh, next game, Oakland and Hendersonville. This was one of the more lopsided votes in our poll 84% siding with the Patriots, the defending 6A champions, even though they're at Hendersonville. This is a rematch of a second-round game from last year where the Patriots advanced, knocking the commandos out. Guys, does Hendersonville turn this around, or do we see a, a repeat of last year? Uh, well, I, the thing is, is that Oakland, Hendersonville's not even going to see the same thing they saw last year because Oakland has got a new wrinkle in their offense. They've got a 6'5 quarterback out there that can absolutely sling it in Cody Sparks. They've added the spread to the wing tee, so it's going to be an entirely new offense. Um, yeah, the defense is standard Oakland defense. So, um, But – you know, Hendersonville's got some strengths, too. Uh, you know, they got some good, uh, solid senior leadership. I just don't see Henderson being able to uh, – Hendersonville being able to overcome Oakland. I was looking at this game earlier, and I wanted to pick the Commandos so bad. And I gave you the stat when we went over all the previews of the Commandos since 2013. They're 30-6 in home games. I mean, that's that's very stellar. But, man, you just can't go against the Patriots. I, I just don't think the Commandos are going to be able to score enough points. They play an all right defense. They gave up about 20 points a game last year, but with the Patriots surrendering only seven points a game, i got to go Commandos. Scott, you mentioned the point about the Oakland riding the spread to the wing tee. Hendersville is actually familiar with that a bit because they did that a few years ago as well. Though I don't know that it's going to be enough for the Commandos to pull the upset here. I'm taking Oakland as well, so we'll make it a, a three-way sweep along with the fans. Uh, next on the list, East Nashville at Smyrna. A very intriguing game here for for a number of reasons. Uh, 67%, two-thirds taking Smyrna in this one. I get it. Um, you know, East Nashville, the Eagles, you got a quarterback coming back. That's, that's really good news. They won a playoff game the last two seasons, but – the size that Smyrna is going to have up front, and you you just point right to Dallas Walker, the Texas A&M commit. Um, I'll say this. The Bulldogs, the guys they are losing, they've got several returning, especially on offense. Some of the guys they're losing, Blake Watkins was a great running back for them. Alex Bannister, a good quarterback. They're having to replace some guys. So this first couple weeks of the season, they might have to catch their footing. But I like the Bulldogs here in week one. Well, I think that – yeah. With East Nashville, there's a lot of skill and speed, especially on, uh, especially running back and wide receiver. Their skill positions, um, you know, they got a good old line, but that line at Smyrna, if if they get the ball, they're gonna they're gonna ground it out. They're gonna hold on to that thing. They got two big running backs in Hartfield and Tig, back in the backfield, and with an offensive line that averages 270 pounds, they're all over six foot. I mean. This could be uh, – I don't see it being a gigantic runaway score, but I do see that Smyrna dominates offensive possession, and I think that Smyrna wins. I think East Nashville is going to hang in there for a while, but I do agree that Smyrna's line is going to assert itself and take over in the second half to me. That that seems like Smyrna winning here to me as well. I, I don't disagree with you guys. Uh, we'll make it a three-way sweep there as well, Smyrna over East Nashville. Up next, Ravenwood hosting Centennial. This is a rare region game in week one. 
um, kind of by necessity. But the, the Raptors are going to open at home against the Cougars. Um, I'm going to take Ravenwood just because I have no other reason to, to go against them at this point. Centennial's got a little bit of a ways to climb the ladder, but they're going to find out really quick how good they are. Yeah, and it's a they're going to find out real quick in the first three weeks. At Ravenwood, home for Smyrna, at Independence. That is a really tough uh, start to the 2019 campaign. And even just the news of – we talked earlier in this podcast with Reggie Grimes coming back. That's just something else that you – if you're Centennial, you go, well, you kind of thought it was going to happen, but now it's it's real – you got a great quarterback in Garcia, Brian Garcia. He's stoned for all these yards these past couple seasons. You just got to go with Ravenwood. I don't even know why I'm still talking. <laughs> well, uh, and, you know, and you're talking about the defense and how good they are, and and they are they are outstanding. Uh, I want I'm looking at the offense. I mean, you got nine returning stars on offense, including you got Yale uh, commit uh, Gabriel Slinhoff. You got uh, Graham Barton, a Duke commit. Um, this team is just absolutely loaded, and I just. Uh, you know, I'm afraid that uh, that Centennial is just not going to have it. I will say this: I think Centennial, even though they're going up against a really good Ravenwood offense, I think they're going to score some points. It's just their defense; they've got to get better on defense. 35 points a game uh, given up for the Cougars last season. They've got to make some improvements early on, especially with those first three games on the defensive side. Uh, Ravenwood, Ravenwood, Ravenwood. But we've all taken Ravenwood, so the Raptors are in are in the corners of all three of us. Uh, next on the list, the Battle of 840. Page goes out to Fairview. And I want to give a shout-out to the Page community for, for jumping all over this poll. Second most votes of any of the polls we posted out there. And the Patriots got the lion's share of it, the largest voting side of any of these polls. 88% took Page to beat Fairview. Wow. I think this one's closer than that. Yeah, I think this is an interesting matchup given where these teams are in their stages of development. Um, you know, Page, yeah, you know, they've got uh, – they run that spread uh, spread offense. Uh, you know, they got a returning quarterback that threw for almost 2,000 yards last year. Solid kicking game with Chase Tidmore. Um, there we go. Got to get special teams <laughs> in there. waiting I, for a kicker I, to come. I, I told you. Happened. I told you I was going to have one in there. Um, you know, Fairview, though, you know, it, they're they're tough. They you know they got uh, you know size offense fine. Seven returning starters on defense. A strong LB core. Uh, this one's going to be really really tough. I'm going to actually go with Fairview in this game. I thought we were finally going to differ here, but I I got to go Fairview. That was the team we brought up about being a, a potential first time winner in a state championship. I got one question mark though when it comes to Page, a new running back Bubba Johnson or Johnson. He was a transfer from Spring Hill. I'm I'm interested to see what kind of wrinkle that gives that Patriots offense, but I I gotta go Fairview. They were really close last year quarterfinal. They were a part of the Cinderella story for Stratford, and I think they get back on the right track for Week One. Well, the three of us have agreed on something again. I, I'm taking Fairview in a close game, though. Page is going to be a, a really good team to watch this year, just to see how how far they come. So that's a really good a really good Week One game to to kind of see where both of those squads are at. But we move on to kind of a – it was used to be an older rivalry between Friendship Christian and Trialstow County. It's been renewed. It's going to take place on the turf at Friendship Christian. Um, 58% say Friendship Christian in the season opener. I say Trialstow County. What say you? Uh, Trialstow County is you – know, they've got a lot of speed. Uh, there are just some question marks around uh, – around this team, really how they're going to replace uh, their quarterback, Kavant Baines. Um, but uh, and, and Friendship, they're just returning with, you know, they got several stars returning, strong running game. I'm actually going to go with the commanders here. Yeah, we finally differ on something. Give me Friendship Christian here, uh, able to watch them in the, the preseason. I think the thing that stands out about Trousdale County – you're going to learn early on. They're losing four offensive linemen from last year to graduation. So, uh, Coach John McNeil, Friendship Christian, a, a state championship appearance the last two seasons. I, good opportunity to get back there at the end of this season, but I think to start it out, uh, I think I like the commanders here. Uh, I will say that Blake Satterfield is going to have a pretty fun debut in this game. Trousdale County seems to come around when you don't think they're going to, when you think they're going to lose. That's a program that seems to rise up in big games. This is a big game for them to open up, and I wouldn't be shocked if, if they go over to Friendship Christian and get that win. 
just because that's what that program is. That's what they're made of. And so. it, if that defense picks up where they were last year, they only gave up about 11 points a game last season. So uh, they're going to have a challenge against the commanders. But I just think with Coach McNeil returning so many guys, especially running back Justin Seagraves, real close to 1,000 yards last year, 21 touchdowns. Uh, I think the key in that game for Trousdale County, they've got to be able to stop the run because Friendship Christian, they can beat you in the air and on the ground, but they're going to be mostly on that brand-new turf there in Lebanon. I'm the only one that's going to take Trousdale County, but I'm going to stick with it. So I've got the Yellow Jackets. Everybody else has Friendship Christian. We shall see. What we'll move on to one of the Saturday games at TSU. This is the, it's one of the, it's the first game of the Coaches Against Violence Classic at TSU. Maplewood and Hillsborough, and 76% take Hillsborough. I tend to agree with that just because Hillsborough, they've got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. they got something to prove this year. And my thing with Maplewood right now is I've just got to see them without Bobo Hodges because everybody's talked about him for such a long time. You talked about the Panthers. You talked about Bobo Hodges. And I've got to see it from them, replacing a guy like that. I know they've got a great running back in David Sutherland returning, a junior uh, a lot of promise around him, uh, but man, the Burrows right now—you say it nine and four, uh, eliminated in the quarterfinals uh, due to Beach—and they've got so many, so many guys coming back, especially the running back quarterback tandem of Jalen Macon and also Brian Covington. Uh, I got to go with the Burrows. Yeah, and I, uh, Covington's what I, stood out to me here: thirteen hundred yards in eight games last year. Uh, you know, seven—you know—they're returning thirteen starters. I've got to go Hillsboro here. It is a Hillsboro sweep on the picks. The poll against 76% in favor of Hillsboro. Also 76% in favor of Cane Ridge in the second game at TSU. Cane Ridge against Pearl Cone. And the Ravens and the Firebirds. This, this has the potential for a lot of points. But I think Cane Ridge is just a little bit, little bit stronger. Yeah, I like the defense here for Cane Ridge. I like, I like Legs and Atawale. Um, you know, both transfers in. Um, I think that they're going to control the line of scrimmage here. Um, you know, Pearl Cone's got speed, 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 and they got talent at the quarterback position in Martino Owens. Um, and Brunetti's always tough. But uh, I think that, you know, I think Pearl Cone gets off to a hot start, but I think uh, that they end up, uh, you know, they're going to fall just short. Yeah, and it's part of the, you know, 3A for Pearl Cone and a 6A big school for. Uh, Kane Ridge, I think up front for the Ravens, they're just going to be so dominant. They've got so many big guys. And you talked about Adewale uh, transferring in and Legs transferring in. And they add uh, to a guy in Michael Reese that's just been dominant already there. So I just don't think the Firebirds are going to be able to compete up front with the Ravens. One more to pick, and it is our game of the week, our spotlight game of the week. Lebanon at Gallatin. We've talked to both head coaches already. This one – was fairly close in the voting, but in the end, 59% in favor of Lebanon. Guys, what do you well, got? It hadn't been like that in the past. It's been quite a while since these two teams played each other. They haven't played since 2014 due to all the realignment and classifications. Gallatin's won the last seven, but things have changed since 2014. Lebanon up front, uh, you've got some guys returning. you got um, – some a running back that coach talked about, both coaches have talked about, and uh, Shannon. I think Breeze Cope is becoming comfortable as that quarterback spot. I think the things are going to change here. I, I take, I'm going to take the Blue Devils in this matchup. I would love to disagree with you here, but I can't. I just think that you know that there's just so much size, there's so much uh, experience coming back uh, this year for the uh, Blue Devils. Uh, I'll mention this again. We had to get a bell. Uh, yeah, Wilson County Special Teams Player of the Year, Christian Payne is a kicker. If you weren't going to mention that, I was. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm stealing your Man, show. Man, I should have talked about it first. Uh, and, yeah, I, you know, Isaiah Briscoe is going to really be the key, I think, for Gallatin here. Uh, but I think it's close. I think it's really close. I just think that Lebanon's just going a little bit better. With what Gallatin kind of wants to do and kind of keep the ball on the ground and control the clock, I think that plays to their advantage here. And you're bringing in a new quarterback in Lebanon that you're you're putting him in that environment really for the first time under center. 
in a, in a hostile environment. It's going to be a hostile environment over there in Gallatin. There's no doubt about that. I think that's going to be a learning experience for them. I see this as a, as a low-scoring kind of defensive game. But I'm going to go with Gallatin, and I think that they win this one close in a, in a late score. I could totally see that. I could totally see that happening. Uh, you know, quite frankly, this is a really, really hard game to to pick. And I picked one just, you know, based <laughs> just because I had to pick one. Uh, this is this is going to be a tough test for both teams. Yeah, this would have to be if Gallatin. If I see Gallatin win this one, I would think time of possession they would just almost have to destroy the blue devils they'd have to hold on the ball for quite a while and they have to keep it on the ground and if if that's the case spencer briggs would have to have a good start to the 2019 season uh he a thousand yards last season uh i could see it but man it's just hard to pick against the blue devils and that's where i'm going to stay with lebanon there well again i go out on the limb and you guys side with the crowd so we'll see after after this weekend where we stand after week one it's going to be fun doing this all year and i'm looking forward to to doing more of these the rest of the way and uh hopefully we can get even more people voting in those polls and we'll see how this thing rolls hopefully we get a little bit different picks too yeah <laughs> too, too much too much of the same here hey i've already taken care of some of that so that I mean, is true and I, we didn't did. we didn't share our picks we uh, just no first time no. we're talking about it right yep, here yep yep it was not shared in advance so i think it's even better that way so a couple of more items before we head out of here for the week. Uh, again, at Twitter, 615 underscore preps. Follow us on Facebook, and if you can reach us at midstateprepsplus at gmail.com, that's our email. I'm at cbrookstn on Twitter. At cpcaposi18 on Twitter. At scott on Twitter. That's where you can find all three of us. We are going to let you vote on the game of the week for next week. That poll will open midday Thursday and will run through Sunday night, and we will announce that on Twitter on Monday. And hopefully we can get some special guests for next week rounding that game as well. So that's our goal for next week. In the meantime, thank you for joining us. That's our week one preview. We're really excited about getting this thing off the ground, and we hope that you are ready to – see some good football i'm chris brooks for scott burton and christian Caposi. thank you this is the 615 preps podcast have a good week see ya Six One Five Preps Podcast is a production of B Squared Media LLC.